Welcome to the Victory XR show on metaversities. Today we have with us Dr. Musina Morris and Dr. Tanya Clark. And I'm going to tell you a little bit more about them in just a moment. I'm Steve Grubbs, the CEO of Victory XR. And the reason we have these two professors with us, professors at Morehouse College, is because they are the pioneers of metaversities, not just in the United States, but globally. And Dr. Morris was the chair of the chemistry department at Morehouse College and has been promoted to be director of Morehouse in the metaverse. Dr. Clark is an English professor and associate English professor of English and Africana studies. And you can correct me if I didn't get that right, Dr. Clark, but I think I'm close. And these two professors pioneered the effort at Morehouse College for their metaversity campus. And so we're going to talk about a handful of things. We're going to talk about first, what was the process to go through from from having never taught in virtual reality on a metaversity campus to actually pulling it off in, in a relatively short period of time? And then second, we're going to talk about what that experience is like and what tools are available to professors or teachers or educators as, as they move through this process. And then uh, I'd sort of like to just get some ideas from our professors here today on, on what it looks like, what they think the future looks like as uh, this roadmap, this paradigm shift uh, unfolds in front of us. So Dr. Morris, let's uh, start with you. You and Dr. Clark were in the early meetings where we introduced the concept of, of teaching a class in VR, where VR is not simply a tool in the classroom, but where VR becomes the classroom. Talk to me about your your first impressions when you first put on a, a virtual reality headset and stepped into the room. It was the first time that I realized that we had something that could really increase student engagement. It was the first time that I realized that our students could learn in a way that was free from distractions that allowed them to engage in material that was interesting to them, that unleashed all of the barriers and obstacles to attaining a cutting edge, very um, fast paced, high, um, high impact. Yeah, high impact education. So for me, I saw the promise, the promise that our students could have what we're supposed to have um, and what we as educators always hoped when we add innovation to the classroom. And I remember we started out in the auditorium and then we went to the science room and and we, for the very first time, uh, experienced the human cadaver together. Uh, What what were your thoughts as you learned to sort of move around and, and, and pick up human hearts and that type of thing? This is something that cannot be done um, in the real world, the real analog world. So even though we can have cadavers, which are very expensive, mind you, or, you know, do dissections, they're disposable, you have to, they're consumable, so you have to keep replenishing it. But in this particular environment, you can blow up a human heart. So as large as the room, students can step inside and see the ventricles and the valves, and they can see a disease heart and compare that. They can pass organs around. 
um, but they can do things that they hadn't been able to do before and they can look at it from a different lens and a different viewpoint than they would if it was just right before them in the real world or if it was on a flat static image like it has been in a lot of human anatomy courses. And Dr. Clark, we did this during the middle of the pandemic. I think uh, in the fall, maybe early fall of 2020, and, and some schools were doing sort of hybrid, part online, part, uh, part remote, and part in class. But, but Morehouse was 100% remote. And, and, and so you were, first of all, having to figure out how to teach through Zoom or some other tool like that. And then at the same time, you had this, this new concept that, to teach in a virtual reality metaversity campus. So talk to me about, about your thoughts of, First of all, transitioning from the classroom to Zoom and then from Zoom uh, to a metaversity. So the, the transition was, it, it was a challenge. Um, before, uh, you know, it was handwritten or uh, printed out documents and uh, physical books. And then all of a sudden those things kind of went away. And we had um, all these required trainings that we had to do. Um, so the the transition from what we were used to into a completely digital environment was a hard one. So normally when we would have our summers to do our own research, that summer was full of all these trainings um, where we were learning different techniques and as far as our LMS. Um, and so to bring in the virtual reality element, the way that I understood it, I, I as, a, as a person in humanities, I had had to admit I was a little skeptical because humanities is, is low tech. It doesn't require, you know, all the bells and whistles and some of the uh, science areas. So trying to kind of see how this would fit into the humanities was another element for me that um, made the transition um, one that I had to adjust to because I had to see how I was going to make this work in a humanities classroom in a, in a viable way. And I don't want to interrupt you there, but we are going to come back to your request shortly because your request really delighted our developers <laughs> in a way that was a little bit unexpected for me. So I'm going to come back to that in a few minutes. But um, Dr. Morris, you this all occurred pretty quickly. I mean, when I think about higher education, I do not think of agility and speed. And uh, I was talking with a, a client recently and they said, we're gonna move fast, let me warn you. And I said, great. And they said, May. And I said, okay. And they said, May of 2023. And I said, hmm, that's not quite as fast as I was thinking. <laughs> so so we had, we had four professors jump in, Dr. Hamilton, Dr. Vereen, and you two. Dr. Hamilton was teaching world history. Dr. Vereen was teaching biology 105 for freshmen. Yep. And uh, you two were teaching uh, inorganic chemistry and uh, literature. So <laughs> this had to move pretty quickly. Talk to us about how quickly it moved and what that process looked like for you to be able to pull it off in that period of time. 60 days. 60 days from the time of ideation to implementation. And I kept telling my team that we have to move as fast as tech. So in academia, everything is on a two to five year implementation plan. Our strategic 
uh, plan even is like a five or six year plan or something like that. So everything takes time and everyone wants to deliberate. But for me, I realized that the moment was now, it was needed now, it was urgent. And so our team did everything we could to make sure that we were moving as fast as tech. And that means that we had to be on it every single day, every single night, Saturdays were for VR and help one another by collaborating. And it didn't matter that Dr. Clark was English or that Dr. Hamilton was history or I was chemistry or Dr. Vereen was biology. We all got in there together. All of a sudden I became an Africana studies professor. I became a world history expert because we had to help one another in these spaces develop what we needed. And, and you know, what's interesting is um, a lot of people ask me, well, do you provide the curriculum? And I said, no, we don't need to provide the curriculum. For hundreds of years, people have been writing curriculum and courses and classes. Really, what we provide is the platform and the 3D objects, et cetera. Would you talk a little bit about how you took uh, your class and, and used the assets that we provide to, to teach it in a virtual reality class? And then I'm gonna go to Dr. Clark and talk to uh, about her special request. So our, we always start with the student learning outcome. So yes, we have autonomy. We get to develop our courses the way that we want to. And you, um, working with Victory XR allowed us to remain in the same space with the same academic freedoms that we have as professors and that we love. Um, so we were able to use what we've already developed and then transform that by meeting with the team and trying to envision and tethering that to actual engagement, like what types of artifacts and assets were needed to create molecular models in space. Um, space was a wonderful place to begin because that's where the elements were originally formed. You think about Big Bang, you think about um, all of the chain reactions that happened that led to the development of the elements. So to build molecules in space was just a real novel location. but our students needed to be able to do that. That's something that they wouldn't be able to do in the real world. They can make molecules with three-dimensional molecular models, but they can't make them as large as possible. They can't reconfigure and transfigure them and look at them visually in different ways. And then we were all over the country. We were geographically, it's geographically agnostic. So we were able to be in the same space, even though they were sitting on their couches in their rooms. So developing the assets, was easy once we knew what were our outcomes, what were the modules, what were we trying to get out of the lessons, and then working with Victory XR and their team to get it done. It was seamless. And, and we undertook the process of building a digital twin of Morehouse College. Yeah. And then we took some special requests for uh, classes. And uh, that special request, I'm not quite there yet. But we built this digital twin campus. And Dr. Clark, Talk to me about, uh, and just if anybody doesn't know, a digital twin is a replication of the actual campus, so the buildings, and initially we didn't have the interiors of the rooms done, but we, we do now, and, and you can see some of that footage on, on the screen as I'm speaking. Uh, but uh, Dr. Clark, what were your impressions the first time you set foot on the digital twin campus? You know, I was impressed. <laughs> I was very impressed and I was nostalgic because at that point we hadn't been on campus um, for a while. And to then be transported 
um, onto the main quad and also where our um, beloved statue is. Um, it was it was amazing. It was amazing. And right then I said I was a, I had to kind of figure things out at first. But right then I knew that that space alone was enough to let the students be able to appreciate what we could do in VR. Like I knew that that was our first steps towards how we could use this as a teaching tool. Um, because a major component of my courses is to have them feel like a community. And it's hard to do that when we're boxes on a, on a computer screen. Um, and some of us don't even have our cameras on all the time. Um, so being able to be on campus um, in that way, it was, it was a game changer for me in terms of understanding the possibilities of what could happen in the metaverse. And, and am I right that you, one of the classes you teach is a fantasy literature class? Is that right? Yes. It's called Blacks in Wonderland. It's um, science fiction, fantasy, horror, all that good stuff. You know, there were no interesting classes like that when I was <laughs> um, and, and so you you asked our team to build you a special classroom. Do you, you want to describe that? Because let me just say this. Uh, our team came to me and said, oh. This is going to be so much fun. And you know what? Whenever I'm in it, I say, wow, this is a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. So being in literature, um, I wanted it to feel like one of those old-fashioned literary salons um, from the 1920s um, Harlem Renaissance-esque era. And um, I gave Danny and Renee my ideas and some pictures, and they just ran with it. And I had this beautiful space um, because I would do different things. So I would, we would come in and we would just have our conversations um, and uh, for our lectures and our discussions. And then we would bounce into the other rooms for, for different assignments. But the base was my literary salon. I'm very territorial. It was my literary salon. And it had books all over. And um, I was able to put my own special touches on it um, with, um, logos from Morehouse, as well as paraphernalia from my beloved sorority, Delta Sigma Theta. <laughs> and, um, and it was just, and the, the lighting was right, and they gave me this huge window where light would come in, and um, it was kind of set in this semicircle. So it really did kind of um, encourage just the environment in and of itself, encouraged um, the kind of lectures and discussion that I was able to achieve when we were face-to-face. Um, but didn't necessarily take place <clears throat> as rigorously um, on Zoom. That's awesome. So, yeah, so I was very appreciative of that. Was, yeah. And, and, and our, our designers, our, our modelers, our, our masters at. Amazing. That, yeah. I'm <laughs> And Dr. Morris, I think uh, you've got, got your own chemistry lab as well. Yes. I've got several chemistry labs out of this. <laughs> Talk to us about the one that uh, they they developed for you, and and I'd like you to talk especially uh, about some of the little special tools and things that can be turned on and off in in your model chemistry lab. So we now have a digital twin of our chemistry lab, which is the lab that all people who have to take general chemistry have to uh, endure being in uh, for five hours. So... um, it is in Merrill Hall and everything works in there. Like, so this is the kicker. 
not only do the, the sinks work so the water runs, you can turn them on and off. The cabinets open and close so you can put beakers and other glassware and equipment on the shelves. But the laminar hoods actually turn on and work and you can place items in them so that if it's a dangerous experiment, then they have to go and take their things over to the hood and use them. My favorite part of it, okay, two favorite parts. One is that you can look out the window and see the campus quad just like how you can. Um, but the second best thing, I've never had an accident in the lab, so I've never had to use the shower. But the showers and the eyewashes work. <laughs> like, And uh, even though we hope that that's not something that students have to use, it makes for a great safety lesson that all of the things work. And when students want to know how things are, how to set up apparatus, then they have the ability to do it in this space that is the exact same as the space that they've been in. And then they can go in in real life and and, and implement that. So and, it's, and it's actually true. This is a very important point. Uh, so Dr. Clark's literary salon is available to everybody. Uh, it's in the it's in the general classroom segment. So every metaversity in, within the Victory XR family can use that particular literary salon. But the chemistry lab in Merrill Hall is unique to students at Morehouse College. So, so when a campus builds their campus, only the students that are licensed or given access to that campus can, can have access to that and the, the rooms that are that university's special IP. And there's one more that I want to, one more place that I want to talk about on, uh, on the Morehouse College campus that really just takes my breath away. Uh, and, and Dr. Morris, I think you were the one who chose to have this built. You want to talk to us a little bit about the, the Ray Charles Performing Arts Center and also how you get from the main campus to, to I mean, I guess in the real world, you might drive, right. but that's not how it works on, uh, on the Metaversity campus. So I'll let you talk a little bit about that. Yes, so our students love that. So they gravitate there first. I have to say, hold on, wait, 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 and then they disappear because they are teleported to the Ray Charles Performing Arts Center. So instead of having to take the long walk across campus, they just go through the teleport uh, uh, portal and they can go right outside of the Ray Charles Performing Arts Center, which is one of the central areas on campus where our theater, arts, our cinema, our journalism courses, um, but so many courses in the arts are used. But it gives students a sense of belonging because it is so integral to everything that happens around homecoming, um, concerts, crown forum, all different types of activities that involve the entire campus happen at the Ray Charles Performing Arts Center. That's awesome. And so what did when, when you chose to have that did you have a particular vision for how it might be used on the metaversity campus or or do you want professors to sort of just figure out how they want to use it because i know you can show films there you can have performances there even though it's a metaversity so we've done different things there already so we've done our meditation mondays there and had students come and create art on stage and talk about what they were creating with the 3D pen, but I want professors to take and use that space 
in the, the way that they want to. So if they want to have their students present there, but it feels like they're part of campus because it is our own unique space, then I want them to do that. But the other day I had an opportunity to present this to one of our provosts and he is a voice instructor. So Dr. Foster saw Ray Charles perform at Arts Center in that stage and he just bubbled up with all these ideas of how he could teach voice lessons, how he could do a stage play, the Glee Club can come on and present and perform. Um, and we could do our crown forms or our convocations in the metaverse. So he got super excited. And that is the type of joy that I want to see um, for other professors around the country um, when they look at their metaverse campus. Dr. Clark, let me let me ask what I think is a question that, that we sort of have an answer to, but but a lot of people that are listening or watching this might might not. If you have a physical campus like Morehouse College, what is the point of building a digital twin campus? Oh, that's a good question. So like you mentioned earlier, when this all started for us, we were we were virtual. So we had, I teach mostly freshmen, for example, the Blacks in Wonderland classes for freshmen. So we had freshmen coming to campus, well, coming to Morehouse who had never been on campus before. Um, and um, as you can imagine, that is a big disappointment for them. Um, and so to be able to offer a segment or of the population the opportunity to um, interact with the campus environment um, was was priceless. Um, those students were able to connect um, to the environment that they're going to be in for the next three to four years. So, um, and even now, as we're transitioning back face to face, some of us are doing a kind of hybrid thing. Um, just like Dr. Morris said, large spaces, large gatherings are still something that not everyone is comfortable with. So um, the metaverse is very um, helpful for, for those environments, um, as well as this idea that um, these performances and these big lectures can take place. We can have, we have very sacred ceremonies for incoming and outgoing students and the metaverse is another place where that can happen. Um, Dr. Morris hosted our candle, uh, candlelight in the dark, which is our major um, fundraising event for donors and alum. And she had a version of it on the metaverse. Um, so I think it is a compliment to the physical campus um, that would be, that's important for those universities who are thinking about this process um, is that you should look at it as a way to enhance um, the physical campus resources that you already have and opening up other avenues and just kind of new ways to experience and view and um, connect with uh, the, the, the campus. So Dr. Morris, I'm, I'm gonna go to you next. I want you to answer that question, but also talk about, you started with um, four professors in the spring of 2021. Right. And, and this fall you expect to have grown. You know, this is not something that there was a proof of concept and thanks to Qualcomm for, for uh, being willing to underwrite the proof of concept. But then after the proof of concept was complete, it didn't go away. And, and can you talk about, 
the growth that you see in, in the use of your Metaversity campus? Right now I have 24 interested faculty who have not taught in the Metaverse before, but they have demo headsets and have been attending meetings where we have just been showing them locations and showing them how to be professional while they're teaching or learning on this particular Metaversity campus. Our, the interest is larger than the amount of headsets we have. So <laughs> we are really having to give professors the experience, but also then like decipher which courses actually work best and who's going to actually be able to build out something that is engaging and embedded in the curriculum where it makes the most impact for students. Can, can you talk a little bit about, uh, I know that I think it was Dr. Hamilton who, uh, and maybe yourself, that uh, you studied the results in uh, satisfaction, engagement, and performance or grades. Can you talk a little bit about those uh, results? So Dr. Hamilton in his course saw that there were zero dropouts or withdrawals in a virtual reality campus as compared to when we were on a Zoom course or when we were um, face-to-face. So usually we have a, a good number of students who don't want to engage in the virtual space. But when we taught in virtual reality, literally zero withdrawals. More than that, we saw a 10% increase in student grades, in attendance rates, in their final grade averages, and their presentation grades. So the percent went from 84%, whether it was face-to-face or online, to 94%. And that's huge, especially to say that people attended class more when they were in virtual reality versus even online or face-to-face. That was a big, big difference. So we noticed that our students were more engaged. They were more satisfied with the education that they were getting. And the grades increased because their level of engagement had increased. So that was really, really important to see. Awesome. Thank you. Dr. Clark, uh, why don't you wrap up and, and tell us what your what, what where you think all of this goes in the next uh, five years? Well, hearing um, Dr. Morris say we have so many, and I knew that we had interested faculty, but I didn't know we had that many. So I'm really happy to hear that. But I would I would like to see um, more collaboration. Um, one of the most successful units that I had was uh, collaborating with. Dr. Morris and Dr. Ethel around a common text. Um, And so I liked bringing together the different disciplines, right? So we had biology, chemistry, and literature. Who knew, right? Who knew that there would be a text out there in a space where these three disciplines would um, interact and collide? So I would like to see um, uh, ways in which we could build more interdisciplinary collaborations, assignments, the virtual field trips. Um, I would like to, so I I see myself, um, like especially knowing some of the faculty who are interested in journalism and Africana studies, already thinking about ways in which we can um, build out modules that cross over those disciplines. Um, I would also like to see more of the virtual field trip possibilities Um, in the Blacks in Wonderland, I teach a class that's about slavery. 
and um, want the students to be able to experience as much of that history um, as possible. And uh, so I would like to see some of those some of those things. And I, I really love what, what uh, Victoria XR did with the um, civil rights um, and um, that, that work around that part of history. So just continuing to build out, um, like I said, interactions with uh, cross-disciplinary interactions and um, more virtual field trips, which were the things that my students in particular um, enjoyed the most. And then just innovative assignments. Um, you know, I'm gonna be planning all summer about my next iterations and figure out what artifacts I'm gonna need and if I'm gonna get a new exclusive room like Dr. Like Dr. Morris. <laughs> Awesome. Dr. Morris, why don't you wrap us up with your best hope for uh, for the future? And, and, and I would just say this. Um, Morehouse College is not a big college or university, I think, roughly 2,000 students. And right. despite that, it's the global leader against, you know, big public universities with tens of thousands of students or, or elite schools with billion-dollar endowments. They're not the ones that are that are paving the, the way that with this paradigm shift in education. And so, you know, talk to me about where you see it going as, as the original pioneers who got this thing off the ground. So there's so much more to campus life than just the academics. So once we really get a handle on the way that we want to deliver academics across all disciplines, we want to make sure to give students these social spaces where they can engage. So where they can do things like study together where they can have peer-to-peer -peer, um, teaching and learning, where they can then do athletics, where they can do intramural sports, um, but where they can have these spaces that they identify with. So a lot of what we're trying to do now is also get our students into the development side of things where they can understand that as long as they're creating, they can also create spaces that they wanna inhabit. So then help us to enhance campus life in the way that they want to envision it and the way they want to experience it. So that is a part of what we are doing and what we're trying to do. But my number one goal is to get a headset into the hands of every freshman that enters school on Morehouse's campus, but really globally. I think that it's important to learn and be exposed to this uh, emerging technology. I think that this is the way that we can gain the um, the attention of our students back in a way that allows them to want to participate in the, the learning process and create lifelong learners. So it's really, really important that we start now to facilitate innovation in the way that we instruct our students and already using something that they love. They love gaming and they love these three-dimensional worlds and simulations. So why not give them that? And then it lowers the cost of you having to try to come up with a full-fledged study abroad trip. Um, you could just transport them to where they need to go. And it doesn't even matter if they can't make it to class, they can get their avatars to class because they could just lock into that headset or, you know, and, and be right where you are. So it's really, really important as a, as a director of this Metaversity project to see that not only students get to participate in this, but faculty get a chance to innovate in their discipline um, and that they can continue on and build their own scholarship 
within their discipline and just be revolutionary in the way that they are um, disseminating information. Everything is going to be digitized, and why not do it in a fun way like this? Love it. Thank you, Dr. Morris. Thank you, Dr. Clark. And and I would be remiss if I didn't thank uh, Meta for uh, providing headsets as well as uh, paying to for the cost to build out the beautiful digital twin campus. So, so thank you all for joining us today. This will also be a podcast. You can watch it, you can listen to it, or you can read it on the Victory XR blog. Check back next time and we'll have another great show for you about metaversities and the, uh, the advance of virtual reality in education.